It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal in the Kitty Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, whatever you like. Or you can simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. And since we got through a couple of prospects yesterday, I have a little bit of time to talk to you about something that I would like to I've been meaning to talk to you about, uh, and we also have the eighth and final installment of this like ultimate crossover week or double week event that we've been doing. Uh, It's brought to you by Built Bar. The AFC South and the NFC South have all been on the podcast, with the exception of Ross Jackson of the Saints. He's coming up a little bit later. But first, I want to do a little bit more of a long-winded answer to something that's come up in a whole bunch of mailbags and a whole bunch of uh, other materials. A lot of people ask me it. I get this DM like once a month, and everybody's asking, especially since they got Michael Pierce, who played in Baltimore, and people still don't really understand what Anthony Barr does, uh, and people start to kind of piece things together and wonder, hey, are the Vikings switching to a 3-4? And that is what I want to talk about today, and really I want to go back to the basics and the fundamentals. So for a lot of you guys, this is going to kind of be something that you've heard before, but I still implore you to stick around. Because if nothing else, it's worth a refresher. But so right now the Vikings run a 4-3 defense. And you probably know what that means with four defensive linemen and three linebackers. And teams like the Packers or the Ravens run a 3-4 defense with three defensive linemen and four linebackers. But what I want you to do is forget those distinctions. I'm going to teach you a better way to think about it. And trust me, it'll make sense. And the thing is, the 3-4 slash 4-3 distinction is something that most teams have kind of given up on and forgotten about, and they use different terminology to describe defensive fronts or defensive alignments with that front seven. So instead of 4-3 or 3-4, I want you to think about it in terms of even or odd fronts. And the way I like to remember which is which, an even front has an even number of defensive linemen, that's the 4-3, and an odd front is the 3-4 with uh, an odd number of defensive linemen. So I think it's pretty easy to kind of convert your, uh, your brain into thinking that way. And so before I really talk about the functional difference between an even and an odd front, I should probably talk to you a little bit about terminology. And this might be another thing that you guys might know already, but just like bear with me or fast forward through it or whatever so we can catch up for people who maybe aren't aware of how coaches typically tell their players, this goes all the way to like middle school and high school, and how coaches typically tell their players where to align. And it goes uh, relative to the offensive lineman on the field, and you kind of line up relative to them. And it starts at zero with the center, and it counts outward, counting each, uh, like, head-up alignment or helmet-to-helmet alignment 
or lining up in a gap, uh, and, and it just counts outward. So the zero technique, if you talk about a zero technique pass rusher or a zero technique defensive lineman, that's like a nose tackle. That'll be Michael Pierce. That That's typically like more of a, uh, a Haloti Nada or a Vince Wilfork in a 3-4 does this a lot more. They line up head to head, head up with the center. So that's zero dead in the middle. Then there's one technique, and in even fronts, that's where nose tackles tend to line up. So it's kind of, it's really similar, right? You're either lining up directly on the center, or you're lining up shaded to on the center's shoulder. Uh, And then there's a two technique that's directly on the guard. There's a three technique that's directly, uh, or that's between the guard and tackle. That's where the Vikings typically line up guys like Sheldon Richardson, or Shamar Stefan has that job right now. Uh, Cherie Floyd had it for forever. Then there's a four technique, that's if you're directly on the tackle. Five technique, uh, that's where edge rushers like to line up. That's where we typically have like Daniel Hunter or Everson Griffin or whoever uh, that's outside of the tackle. Then six, t- six technique is lining up head up with a tight end or where a tight end would be if there isn't one in that particular formation. Uh, seven, if there's two tight ends, seven technique is you would line up between them. And then it actually goes all the way out to eight and nine. If there's a second uh, tight end, you could kind of call it that way but that's the system right it just counts off off like player gap player gap player gap and and that's what you do and you might also see an i something like a two i a four i that i stands for inside shade so if i say line up in a four i that means that you would line up you know directly with the tackle but you wouldn't be head up you wouldn't be helmet to helmet you'd actually kind of go halfway so your helmet is on their inside shoulder so that's the terminology, and and I'm going to kind of use that uh, to describe the differences between even and odd fronts, and it's important that we kind of lay that foundation. Okay, so the difference between even and odd fronts is that in an even front, you're typically lining up in one of the gaps. And I know that's a little counterintuitive uh, because the, those are the odd numbers, right? So in an even front, you have a one and a three technique and a five and two five techniques. Um, but that's what the Vikings use. So they will line you up in a gap. And your job typically is to penetrate through that gap. You're not necessarily responsible for a player. You're more responsible for getting through a place and making sure that if it's a run play, nobody gets through your place. If you're the three technique, you are responsible for that gap, and if the running back tries to come through it, it's your job. Similarly, in an odd front, you have the three defensive linemen, and they're lining up directly on players. You have fewer guys, so you kind of have to have everybody take two gaps, and that's what it means to say, like, two-gapping. You might have seen that in some scouting reports of whether or not a prospect could, uh, for the draft, of whether or not a a prospect could two-gap, and that's something you would see of, like, the nose tackle, like, like Michael Pierce in Baltimore or... You know, somebody like Haloti Nada, uh, when he was in Baltimore too, uh, he would be lined up at the zero technique, head up with the center, and he would be responsible for the gap on either side. And it would be kind of a read and react. If it's a pass play, you'd be reacting and you basically are going to go to whatever side you think is best from your scouting or whatever. And if it's a run play, you're responsible for both of those A gaps, both gaps on the, on the side, on either side of the center. And you kind of have to read, react, and figure out exactly where they're going. If the fullback comes through one of those gaps, you can probably be uh, expecting the running back to follow. And you kind of have to be a little bit more cerebral about that and read things very, very quickly because you're the first line of attack. And the same thing goes for uh, the defensive ends in an odd front that typically line up in like a four technique or a four eye technique. Sometimes they go all the way out to five technique uh, and it just depends on the front the coach wants to use. Now, here's the reason that it's a little bit outdated to call these things three, four and four, three, because a three, four, especially 
kind of insinuates something. And it's really unfortunate because, like, this is how Madden works. And I think a lot of people get a lot of football knowledge from Madden, which is great on the whole. But it does lead to misleading kind of oversimplifications like this, where, uh, like, in a 3-4, you typically will have a linebacker in coverage a bunch of the time. So, you know, those outside, 3-4 outside linebackers, this is what, like, Zadarius Smith is for the Packers. If the Vikings were to move to a 3-4, this is what everybody says, oh, well, like, Anthony Barr should be a 3-4 outside linebacker because he can pass rush and he can cover, uh, but he's so good at pass rushing, you want to rush him a lot more than you typically would with a linebacker, so put him at 3-4 outside linebacker. And that's kind of the point that people make when they're trying to convince uh, convince you that the Vikings should move to a 3-4. But here's the thing, in an odd front or an even front or whatever, the defensive front actually changes so often where linebackers will go up to the line of scrimmage or away from the line of scrimmage. They'll cover, they'll pass rush, they'll kind of do all sorts of things. And from play to play, the actual defensive lineman will look so different that you're really focusing on a lot more when you talk about an odd front than whether or not a linebacker is in coverage. There's so many different variations and things going on, and if you want to switch to a 3-4, you have to be good at all of those things. Or an odd front, you, you've got to be able to, to have all your players two gap and you can't just have one outside linebacker that can cover you can have two so who's the other guy going to be the other thing is whatever effect you think you're achieving by running a 3-4 you can do so by using four three fronts or using even fronts uh, something called an under and an over those are two very common fronts common ways to describe variations inside of an even front uh, and I'm going to get into that after I talk to you about Built Bar, which is bringing you all of these crossovers from this week and last, as well as this segment, as well as everything that we've done for pretty much all of May, brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a chocolatey, luscious protein bar that's not too high in sugar. It's really good for you. It's perfect for after a workout. Me, I've been enjoying them in the mornings. And I don't really love, uh, like, too much sugar in the morning. I, I don't like Cliff Bars or, or like, Luna Bars or anything like that because, they to me, they're just, like, a big, giant hit of sugar and you feel all jittery all day. This doesn't have that. It, it tastes great, but it's not just, like, a candy bar like sugar. But it does taste like a really nice treat. It works as a guilt-free treat late at night, too, if you're, you're into that kind of thing. They have all kinds of awesome flavors, like, chocolate raspberry and, and chocolate fudge, and there's a peanut butter brownie one, uh, and I've been lucky enough to have a, a sampler that I've been working through slowly. And uh, if you want to have that experience as well, you can go to builtbar.com. And with your first order, if you enter code locked on at checkout, you will get 10% off. That's builtbar.com, promo code locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about even fronts and how the Vikings uh, even fronts tend to work. So there's two real ma main variations that I want you to understand here, under and over. And the way, the, the distinguishing thing between this is which defensive tackle is uh, the three technique and which one is the one technique. So usually... 
Um, and by the way, I'm going to link a ton of stuff in the show notes so that you can kind of familiarize yourself with this. I'll link a video and an article so that you can like learn at your own pace if, if auditory isn't the best way for you to learn. But uh, the, the way that usually a 4-3 or a, an even front works is uh, you have your two defensive ends, they'll line up at five technique, just outside the tackle. Then you'll have your two defensive tackles line up at one technique, that's typically Linval Joseph, the nose tackle, and three technique, who is more classically referred to as a defensive tackle. I usually just call them the three technique. That's Shamar Steffen right now. That's the job I think James Lynch could take from him. That was Sharif Floyd and Sheldon Richardson. Lining up at three technique, going up against guards and and trying to kind of split between guards and tackles and also trying to lure tackles further inside so that the edge rushers can have an easier time getting upfield. Typically, again, all these things change. You have stunts and twists and all kinds of other variations on this stuff. So the difference between an under and an over is uh, against a formation with a tight end. In an over, the three technique is on the side of the tight end. And in an under, the three technique is on the opposite side of the tight end. So whether that's field side or boundary side or left side or right side, if you look at where the tight end is and you call it, quote unquote, the strong side of the formation, if the the three technique is on the strong side, it's an over. And if the three technique is on the weak side, it's an under. And I I think that's kind of intuitive, right? Because if you just look at the way that everybody's lined up in an over formation, it's kind of strength on strength. And with an under formation, it's kind of like uh, almost like a yin yang kind of there's this imbalance and it looks like you're kind of going underneath the strength of their formation a little bit. So to me, that kind of makes sense. And the thing about an under and the four three under is a lot of times a linebacker lines up on the line of scrimmage to come up with you. So you then have those five people along the front in a typical odd formation, typical odd base formation. You have your three defensive linemen and then three out or and then two outside linebackers. This is like Von Miller, right? Is a famous three, four outside linebacker. And those guys will kind of come up on the line of scrimmage and sometimes they back off and sometimes they rush. And it's a very similar thing to what Anthony Barr does. Uh, and that is sort of the strength of the odd front is that you can kind of have three, four or five guys lined up on the line of scrimmage, depending on what you need for that play. But don't think for a second that an even front does not have this ability because you can just run a a 4-3 under and have uh, Anthony Barr come up to the line of scrimmage and booyah, there you go. And it usually helps because in the under, you don't have anybody on the tight end. So Anthony Barr, the Sam linebacker, usually is on the side. The strong side linebacker is going to be on the strong side where the tight end is. Um, So you kind of can help balance that out and not get completely blown out if they run to the strong side, but still have your advantage on the weak side. So that's why the Vikings use the under all the time. If you see Anthony Barr on the line of scrimmage and you count it off and kind of look at where the three technique is in relation to the tight end, you'll say, oh yeah, that's an under. So this is really what the Vikings do. And in terms of defensive front and alignment, it's really, really similar to uh, the 3-4, to the odd front that you're always clamoring for. The only difference is for the Vikings, the nose tackle is one gapping instead of two gapping, which is usually an easier assignment. And the three technique is also one gapping versus two gapping. And you have two defensive ends who are rushing outside the the tackle. And for my money, that seems like a much easier job than having to go directly through a person. And then, of course, you're going to get double teamed because there's fewer guys on the front more often. Um, and, And the Vikings are just trained to do it. To convert to an odd front, you would, again, you'd need to get somebody else to be that that other 3-4 outside linebacker, you basically need another Anthony Barr. You could say that's Daniel Hunter, but he's never covered in his life. You'd have to teach him how to cover. You would need to ask a lot more of Michael Pierce. You'd need to ask a lot more of, like, Shamar Steffen, and I don't know who the other five-technique type guy would be, like a Fadio Denebo, I guess? 
and the extra linebackers you'd put on the field, you'd have like Ben Gedeon and Eric Wilson on the field like every play, except for nickel. And that's the last thing I'll say about this. The way that, that both of these fronts respond to nickel kind of reduces the difference between them. And this is kind of why the distinction between 4-3 and 3-4 is going out of style is because the way that they play nickel is a little bit more similar and with the explosion of more 11 personnel on the offensive side or three wide receiver sets on the off, uh, uh, offensive side, you need three cornerbacks. You need that nickel. So you have to be a nickel all the time anyways. And the, the, the difference between the two kind of gets muddied. So the way that a 4-3 will respond to uh, needing to swap in their nickel is they'll usually take one of those linebackers off of the field. For the Vikings, it's always kind of been whoever the worst guy is, but typically it's the weak side linebacker. Uh, sometimes it's the Mike linebacker, but essentially you need the one, because you're subbing in a nickel corner, you still don't want to get absolutely screwed by a run play out of shotgun or whatever, so you're going to kind of swap out your coverage linebacker for a guy who's like truly coverage you know you would swap out uh like chad greenway used to come off in, in the twilight years of his career uh and then you'd swap in and captain munnerlin for a three four you would swap out one of the middle linebackers one of the run stuffing guys and bring in your nickel corner that way so for a a three four for the odd front it becomes a three three five three defensive linemen three linebackers five uh defensive backs. The five is where you get the word nickel. Uh, and for a 4-3, it becomes a 4-2-5. But most of the time in a 3-3-5, one of those three linebackers is still going to pass rush. So really, functionally, it becomes a 4-2-5. And again, the only difference is whether or not defensive linemen are one-gapping or two-gapping. That's the really most important distinction between even and odd fronts. In even fronts, you only have one gap to worry about. You're going between guys. In odd fronts, you're going head up, straight on a guy, and you have to worry about an extra gap. So I hope that after listening to all of this, you can kind of get a grasp on the difference between even and odd fronts. I hope you can start to like train your brain to not think about it in, in a, a like dichotomy of 3-4 versus 4-3. And also understand that with a 3-4, you have to train your players to do so many extra things that really the only good time to make that change is when you have like a coaching change or you have a whole influx of new talent coming and you're you're like in the middle of a rebuild and you can transition into whatever you want otherwise it makes a lot more sense to just let the players do what they've been doing and and stick with what they don't need as much training to do so that's my whole spiel on the vikings are not moving to a 3-4 uh now i'm going to switch gears and when we come back we will talk to ross jackson of locked on saints so hang hang tight for that is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, everybody, I'm here with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. Ross, this is awkward. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't it kind of a little awkward right now? <laughs> <laughs> Just Not I mean, because of us, not because of us. Like, we're great. No, yeah, we're, we're cool, but our teams... <laughs> 
obviously, you know, the last time our teams played, it ended a little controversially. We didn't actually get to talk about it, but maybe, maybe that's a, a, a crossover for another day. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're doing this event and, and learning about all these other teams. And of course, you know, the Vikings and Saints are pretty familiar with each other because of the last three years of history and all that. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess I, I, I'm curious about the Saints quarterback position now. You get Drew Brees mm-hmm. back for another year. Is he the kind of guy that can overcome age the same way that others like Tom Brady has? Like, is he going to be okay with how old he's getting? And then the backup is like the most volatile, crazy, <laughs> like variance monster now. And then Taysom Hill. Tell me what is going on in that quarterback room. Yeah, it's a lot. It really is a lot. I mean, the Saints right now are carrying four quarterbacks on the roster at this point, and each one of them has a storyline, which is really interesting. So to answer your first question regarding Drew Brees, I think that so far in his age, he's proved that he can be effective uh, at, you know, I guess I'll recycle the phrase, but at his age. You know, um, last year in December in particular, at the end of the year, he was absolutely on fire. Uh, Unfortunately, that did not carry over to the playoffs when it really mattered, but he was fantastic in the month of December to close out the season. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that he essentially got a six-game rest early on in the season in which the, uh, the the Saints went on to win five of those games with Teddy Bridgewater as their starter. And so he had a little bit of rest going in, but I do think that he's somebody that could continue to be the, I guess you can look at Tom Brady as probably the only other guy that's really applicable in the, in the league right now as somebody that can continue to be effective despite his age. And they both are going to do it the same way. They're going to do it without, you know, too many deep shots down the field. Although Drew Brees did rank ninth in 2019 with uh, balls thrown that traveled more than 19 yards in the air. So he still has that. He had 20 of those passes in 2019. So he's still in the top 10 there, but still you expect to see him or, you know, you're maybe a little bit more accustomed to seeing him in the past way higher than that. And so a lot of that game is going to be short to intermediate range and relying on yards after catch and relying on the run game. But the Saints are really working so far with some of the additions that they've had over the offseason to make sure that they're putting uh, Drew Brees in the best position to have that supporting cast that he needs to play the style of ball that's going to be most effective for him. And then to go to the backup quarterback situation, look, Taysom Hill is apparently the plan A, but now that Jameis Winston's in the building, he's absolutely going to get a legitimate shot if he can progress and do what he needs to do to show the coaching staff that he deserves it. And I think that he will. Uh, And I think that he will eventually, whether it be sometime this season or if he returns in 2021 to immediately compete with Taysom Hill, get a shot at some other point. But it's going to be really interesting to see how often we see each of those three quarterbacks uh, on the field. And even though Tommy Stevens, who the Saints drafted in the seventh round of the draft, is there, I don't think he's on the roster at the beginning of 2020. That's really interesting because they traded back into the round to get him um, after trading away their whole day three to move up 25 spots and get Adam Troutman. To a familiar team at that. But, yeah, uh, to who, who got that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Tommy Stevens thing – Oh, absolutely. The Tommy Stevens thing is entirely a petty Sean Payton play. Like, that's 100% what it is. Oh, yeah, they were, like, trying to snooker Carolina, right? That's exactly right. Oh, yeah. Joe, Joe Brady, who, of course, used to be the offensive assistant at New Orleans – Uh, who just took the job as the offensive coordinator at Carolina after spending a year with LSU started or not started, but before he came to new Orleans was the, was, was an assistant coach at Penn state and really worked with Tommy Stevens to develop him and what later became the Taysom Hill role in the NFL, interestingly enough. And so the saints in Carolina were both talking to 
Tommy Stevens about coming to play in their system. And the agent stopped taking the Saints phone calls. And so uh, Sean Payton <laughs> trades back into the draft, drafts Tommy Stevens, and then sends Joe Brady a text message saying, not so fast. <laughs> and then that's it. Like he won't make the roster in 2020. There's no way they're carrying four quarterbacks into the, uh, into the regular season unless he massively impresses. But it was entirely to me. 100% an opportunity to just stick it to Joe Brady, who's getting a lot of attention, of course, as the boy wonder, as they're calling him. Oh, the next, the next boy wonder. There's always got to be one. Uh, uh, yeah. But I, uh, let's, let's talk about the other side of the ball. Uh, as much as I would love to talk about like M- Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and all that, that's pretty well documented. So I want right. to go over to the other side of the ball where uh, – uh, is there, I guess I, I'm not very familiar with what's going on in terms of the roster. I know that mm-hmm. there's basically a lot of the same principal players are returning Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, all those guys. Um, but I, Von Bell left, uh, I think, mm-hmm. gosh, I don't even remember who else. I, I oh, have Eli to Apple. To. Yeah. Eli Apple and AJ Klein would be the other two big losses on the defense. Yeah, and is uh, was Sheldon Rankins over there? Or am I thinking of Shel- Sheldon Rankins was injured at the end of the season? It, it more so with That's him is is he going to be healthy to come back for the beginning of the season again? So it's another question that they're having to ask about Sheldon Rankins and his health. Okay, uh, so I guess my question about all the, all these guys is, I mean, we're basically running it back here, and mm-hmm. that's really what it seems like with the Saints. They had a thirteen and three season in twenty nineteen, uh, some weird mojo, weird like voodoo doll curse where they can't <laughs> beat the Vikings in the playoffs anymore, right? Because they sold their soul in two thousand nine, and mm-hmm. that's <laughs> that, like. But we're running it back. Do you feel good about running it back? The division got a lot tougher. Tom Brady's in the division now. Uh, mm-hmm. Even Carolina, the rebuilding team, has Teddy Bridgewater, a familiar face. You know, Atlanta is always going to be uh, a weird divisional rival game. Do you feel good mm-hmm. about running it back? Do you think the Saints did enough here? Yeah, I mean, I think that they did. And I think that, honestly, if, if this was a regular offseason, I would be a little bit more – I I don't think I would understand as much as I understand in this particular environment. In this particular environment, we're going to be dealing with things like truncated training camps, virtual minis, which have now been extended through the end of May. Not that the Saints are participating in any of those, by the way. They're not really even doing any of the OTA activities. They're just going to jump in the training camp come July. And so they're... MO this entire offseason was return as many players as possible, which is essentially what they did last season as well. They brought many of the players back, and that's, you know, they ended up going 13 and 3 both times. So it is a little bit of a if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of attitude. However, they did fix a couple of things. Vikings fans would be very, very familiar with the fact that the Saints struggled immensely on the interior offensive line, which was absolutely exploited during that wild card game by fantastic game planning by uh, by Minnesota. The and, coaching performance of his career. Yeah. Oh, it was it, genius. Like everything about it was smart and, and really fantastic and taking advantage of that. Taking something that was on tape, back in week five that everyone else ignored for the rest of the season and then using it in the playoffs was just fantastic. And so the saints did do what they needed, what they feel like they needed to do to dress up that interior offensive line. They go first round and bring in Cesar Ruiz, who's probably going to take over at center for the saints bounce Eric McCoy out to right guard, who they believe is going to be more effective than Larry Warford. Is that going to be the case? We do not know at this point but it's what the Saints felt like they needed to do, so they did that. They needed another wide receiver opposite Michael Thomas, not necessarily one for the future, but they needed one for Drew Brees' very likely last ride into the sunset here in 2020. They bring in Emmanuel Sanders, who's somebody that is going to be a quick study, somebody that can already run every route in the book, and that gives the Saints what they want in terms of a versatile 
receiving threat at that wide receiver position, which they haven't had over the last two seasons. And then they lost Von Bell. They replaced him with a familiar face in Malcolm Jenkins. And then you upgrade, I believe, uh, Eli Apple with Janoris Jenkins. will be interesting to see how he actually performs opposite Marshawn Lattimore. And then they go out and then they fill the void at that Sam linebacker in any number of ways. They can move Alex Anzalone there. They drafted Zach Bond out of Wisconsin in the third round at 74, which was an absolute steal. And then they could move him there because they want to transition him into a 4-3 off-ball guy as opposed to an edge rusher. And so I do think that the Saints in this particular environment have done what they needed to do to maintain continuity, maintain familiarity going into this weird offseason and ahead of this year. Um, in addressing the couple of positions that they felt that they needed to address and then returning everybody that they could. Yeah. Tweak and run it back. And that's what you do when you feel like you, you have a Super Bowl contender. Uh, so that's all I have for you, at least asking about the saints. So for my listeners, this is going to do it. So thank you so much for coming on to the show, Ross. Uh, but we are also going to do an interview the other way around with Ross asking me questions about the Vikings. That's going to be on his show. So if you are interested in hearing a little bit more of this crossover, head on over to Lockdown Saints, uh, where you can hear that. Ross, thank you so much. Absolutely, my man. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Locked On Vikings. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. The show and Ross's show are all available wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including asking your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. I will see you all next week, and as always, Skull. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.